Hello, hello, everyone. It's your girl, Gabrielle, from A Step Ahead Tutoring Services. Welcome to a brand new episode of Hot Topics. So if you've been living under a rock, you have no idea who I am, you have no idea what this web series is about. This web series is called Hot Topics. And this is a series where we talk real talk about a lot of important issues. <laughs> so issues in education, employment, mental health, physical health, or anything else that we consider steamy. So we are a tutoring company, so we can't talk about everything, but we have a lot of a lot of issues to address. And the beautiful thing about the educational field is that there is more than one way to educate somebody. So the topic today is living with Asperger's syndrome, which is also known as, which is a type of autism. I want to make that clear. But our topic is living with Asperger's syndrome. And I have a guest with me who's going to help me with this discussion. Her name is Whitney Lowe. So let me put up my little banner here, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. So Whitney Lowe, she also has a, a, an author name, a pen name. You'll see it as W.L. Carroll. So W.L. Carroll was born and raised in the state of Texas. After showing some signs of being autistic, she spent some of her preschool years at an early childhood center. At eight years old, Carol was finally diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome. During her academic career, Carol was able to earn a bachelor's in mass communication and master's in journalism, library science, and women's studies. Currently, Ms. Carol is pursuing her dream as an author and has recently published her debut novel debut novel, Raising Limbo, which we'll talk about later. When she's not typing away at the computer, she's enjoying her favorite anime, manga, and video games. So I'm going to bring her to the stage right now. Hi, Whitney. How are you doing today? Um, I'm doing fine, thank you. How are you awesome. doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. All right. So you have an interesting history, an interesting story about, you know, having Asperger's syndrome, which again, I just want to reiterate out there is a type of autism. And I wanted you to share your story. So I'm going to pass on the baton and I'm going to let you share. So go ahead. Well, from what I can remember, um, as a child, I, I, I was different. Um, and I, I know that whenever I started, I, instead of going into, uh, one of your normal schools, I went to the, uh, the Coogan Center. It was the early childhood learning center. Um, of course, um, after I started to, and, and at that time I showed classic signs of autism. So, um, I didn't speak. Instead, I had echolalia, which, I mean, which means that I would repeat things that uh, people would say to me. So I didn't have the uh, the practical or the practical skills of, of uh, conversation at that time. Uh, so I had to go to the early childhood center just, you know, to kind of develop that and to socialize. Uh, after a while, um, some of the teachers started to notice that I was kind of, developing into more of a mild uh, version of autism. So when they talked to my parents about it, they suggested that I go into um, public school. Uh, so it was then that uh, they decided that they would enroll me into uh, the kindergarten. And from there, um, I, I started to, uh, at that time I had the, um, Sorry about that. Um, 
okay. So during the <laughs> sorry, so uh, it was from there that um, I I pretty much kind of blended in, um, but and I didn't notice the difference at that time. Whenever uh, I went into the public school, the whenever I when I start to notice that I was different was whenever I was enrolled in the um, in the resource classes and speech classes and the fact that there were certain um, there were certain subjects that I just I had a really tough time grasping. Uh, there was also um, certain social cues. I I really had a it. It was a different thing trying to navigate, you know, uh, certain uh, nonverbal cues, um, certain figures of speech. I'm very, I'm very literal, you know, still am. Uh, so, and there's also certain things that I was sensitive to, certain textures, um, certain noises. Um, and of course, when I was in speech class, I was kind of confused while I was there. I was like, well, I, I know how to talk and I'm just not sure um, why I was in speech classes. Um, also, after having a tough time at school, um, you know, I would come home and I would ask my mom, you know, what's wrong with me? Something's wrong because I, I just can't keep up. Uh, also, everyone, this is, uh, this is my mom. Oh, wow. <laughs> so uh, it was then that my mom told me, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. Um, you're just different. And that at that time, that's when she told me that I had uh, Asperger's syndrome. And so from there, well, even beforehand, we uh, we really concentrated on our early intervention. I'm trying to develop my uh, social skills, uh, any other, um, any other, um, uh, any other things dealing with uh, education, and I managed to make it through uh, elementary school. Also, at that time, I met a very special resource teacher who got me into writing because beforehand, I I hated writing. I hated writing so much that I didn't even want to touch the pencil. It was that bad. Um, and all it took was just one teacher to give me that spark. Uh, the teacher's name is Ms. Hosey. And because of her, because she made it fun and she made it into something that, you know, that, you know, you, you can do it. She was very encouraging. And it's because of her that I could not put down the notebook or pencil ever since then. I just, I just had my notebook and I've had my pencil and I just, just took off from there. And awesome. Awesome. All right, you guys, we just had a, a guest just walk in and join Whitney. So it is her mom, Sissy Lowe. Um, Sissy, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. How about you? I am very well. Thank you so much. All right. So we just started talking about, um, let me switch back to me here. Uh, so we just started talking about Asperger's syndrome and, and Whitney was just introducing us to uh, her, her history, her upbringing and how she started to notice things. So I wanted to, to get your perspective on, on um, what life was like for Whitney. Okay, so uh, she was probably unaware, but you know, and, and, and just, just didn't have that care, carefree, not a care in the world. But I noticed that Whitney, by the way, I am a retired educator. I say retired, but every time I turn around, they call me back to, to, to help out. And that's why I'm just joining y'all. But, uh, but uh, I knew Whitney was different when she was three months old. Uh, oh, how do you know? She, okay, well, as a, a baby, usually babies wet their diapers during the night. Uh, and she never did. And I was concerned because I knew she was dry as when we put that diaper on. But 
But what I noticed was that her little stomach was really, really, really hard, meaning what she did not <laughs> urinate all night long and she had held it. And, and so what I started doing is getting up in the nighttime and I would undo her diaper kind of, and we got, we bought her a potty chair before she could sit up and put that little potty chair apart and then turn on the little water. And as soon as she heard that, she'd do her little number. And then, hey, I put that, uh, take that diaper back up and she'd go right on back to sleep. So I was like, hmm, that's kind of strange. Uh, the other thing that she did was when she was uh, old enough to hold her bottle, I noticed that she held her bottle. It wasn't randomly or when she wanted to. It was if it was sweaty or felt wet on the outside. She wouldn't, she wouldn't touch it. She'd keep those fingers bent back and didn't want to touch it. So you knew that she did not want to touch the bottle. So we realized that it didn't have anything to do with heat. <clears throat> but yeah, kind of in the bathtub because when I think the water's warm, she thinks it's really hot. Uh, I also noticed that when she, she hated those little lace socks that you put girls on. You know, on Sunday, she dressed all in the little frilly dresses. She hated those little lace socks to be around her ankles. And so uh, as soon as she get home from church, she would, I mean, walking through the door, taking those off. So the other thing that I knew that was strange about Whitney was that when she was 18 months old and I'm, you know, she's not really talking. She's not saying the words like most kids, mama, dada, things like that. But at the age of 18 months, uh, she heard this song called Love Lifted Me. She sang that song, perfect pitch perfect tone and the words to the song and we're like what she don't even talk how, how can she not how can she matter of fact how can she even remember the words to that song she hadn't even heard it that many times so you know so then i'm asking questions i'm beginning to ask the pediatrician what what okay she's doing this she's doing this what do you think is the issue of course he would never say autism you know because whitney would sit for hours in her room and and, and examine her toys. There's a difference in playing with toys and examining toys. Uh, I thought she had a hearing problem because when people would walk up on her, she would act like she didn't see them. Even when it, if it was a crowd of people there, she'd just pretend like she was asleep or something. But we, knowing I knew she wasn't asleep. She was a little blinking her little eyes and stuff as they were closed. So I knew she wasn't asleep. So, you know, I'm thinking like, what? why is she doing these things? Say that to the doctor, oh, mom, you're just being too, uh, you're an educator and you're expecting too much. And I'm thinking like, no, but, you know, we go in a store and, and, and you know, I, I bribe her sometimes with these little toys and she could always find her way to the toy section of a store. And I'm talking about by herself. I don't care what store it was. She re remembered the toy section. She could get there all by herself and she would collect things. Uh, you know, she didn't get toys, she would collect things. Like, she might be uh, on a pony kick, My Little Pony. So she'd go back to the section of the tour and get a hey, My Little Pony. And every time she would get a totally different one. So I'm like, who does that? So, you know, and as I keep talking to the doctor, and he's still not giving me any feedback, you know, I'm thinking she's deaf. So I'm walking up behind her, clapping my hands real hard, expecting her to jump and realize she's not jumping, but I started noticing how she would just kind of cut her eye at the, at the corner of her eye at me and then keep doing exactly what she was doing. So one day my sister came over and she says, Sissy, I need you to sit down. I said, oh, okay. So she says, uh, I need to tell you something. I said, okay. So she gave me this little handout, this little printout thing. And she says, you know, I believe Whitney is autistic. She says, if you look on this little list of things, she has most of those characteristics. And sure enough, out of about 20 of them, she had about 17. And I looked at my sister and I said, I know, but I can't get anybody to tell me that. I said, but not the school district, not the, you know, the doctor's office. Well, then they just decided that they call it language delayed. So, you know, uh, then at that particular time, they wanted her to go to school. So she started at the Early Childhood Center, Coogan. Uh, children that had disabilities and she had to ride the bus over there and uh, my mother her grandmother threw a fit how are you going to put that baby on the bus by herself and she can't talk to anybody and I'm riding with her no mom you're not 
I said, we got to make Whitney as independent as possible. And I said, this is a start. She has to get on the bus and ride the bus. And I said, now, if you want to meet the bus in the parking lot, so when she gets off the bus, you can make sure she walks off the bus, okay? I said, fine, but you cannot ride the bus with her and you cannot take her to school. So, you know, after that, you know, I started, you know, doing all of my homework and my research on things that we needed to do uh, or could be done for a child that had that was autistic. Because at that particular time, the kind of uh, the things that she was doing was like echolalia. Because she said, Whitney, do you want cinnamon toast crunch or, or, or what? Uh, yeah. Cheetos. She just said, Cereals. Cheerios, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I said, no, Winnie, do you want Cinnamon Toast Crunch or do you want Cheerios? And she was sad, Cinnamon Toast Crunch or Cheerios. So, you know, so we started labeling everything in the house and, and putting a name to everything. And, 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 you know, we would be standing in a circle, my sisters and I, we would all be talking in a circle and she'd come up and say something, just out of the blue and didn't have anything to do with what we were talking about. And we'd look at her and go like, Whitney? If you want to talk in our conversation, you have to talk about what we're talking about. Then we turn our heads and just ignore her, and she would just be so upset yeah. with us and stuff. But oddly enough, at the end of that year at the Coogan Center, they said, Mrs. Lowe, we need to have an art meeting because Winnie needs to go to the regular campus so she can have the role models of regular kids, you know, speech, behavior, things of that nature. I say, I don't know. I mean, I'm an educator. I'm thinking, I, I don't know. But if y'all think so, okay, we can give it a try. Do we, can she come back in case things doesn't work out? So they said yes. And like I said, God bless her kindergarten teacher. Yes. <laughs> you know, so here we are. I have this little quirky girl in school, had all kinds of fears and phobias, and she's going to get locked in the school. Uh, come, come up, may raise her hand up, and then you call her, and she might say a line out of a little mermaid or just something, you know, crazy like that. And, and you know, again, uh, so we started giving her a lot of support, sped supports like language and not language that had to do with syntax or articulation. It had to do with uh, pragmatic speech, having to hold a conversation with someone, how to answer back when someone asks a who, what, when, where, why question. Uh, how to uh, tell jokes, how to, how to, how to, how to. But at that particular time, Winnie would come home to every day crying, saying her head was hurting, it was too noisy, the loud, it was just too much for her. So what I had to learn how to do is kind of read between the lines with her. She didn't really mean that it was loud. It was that there were certain sound frequencies that, that, that just hurt her hurt her ears. So we, we did a lot of different things like we did the, the Tomatis approach where we had to take her in. It was 32 weeks of training to desensitize her to, um, you know, to sound. Uh, we did vision therapy. You know, we had the support and sped at school. Uh, we were doing all kinds of interventions for Whitney that we could possibly think of. And, and when I talk about modeling, you had to model everything. You could not assume that how most kids get things, you know, like the tying the shoes, riding the bikes, things like that. You couldn't assume that with Whitney. You just had to practice those things, practice those things. And one minute she couldn't do it, and the next minute she could. So then after we started realizing that she was improving on certain things, we would take away some of the supports, you know. But uh, that was slowly. And that was when, like I said, in the third grade, uh, when I was talking to people and someone suggested, uh, Dr. Pendleton, she was a neuropsychologist. She said, have, have you uh, taken Whitney to see a neuropsychologist? Which I was going like, no, I didn't even know that existed. So they gave me the information. We got in touch with her. She did a series of testing over a period of days with Whitney, uh, even on weekends, long weekends. And then she came back and she said, Mrs. Long, she says, Whitney is Asperger's. I said, Asperger's, what is that exactly? You know, because I've heard of PDD and I've heard of, you know, autistic. I've heard of all these different things, but I really wasn't as familiar with Asperger's until uh, I just started doing my homework and my research. And based on that, once we finally had a labeling, I was like, oh, okay, good. 
now we can set out and really have a specific plan to maybe help her. So that's some of the journey that happened with Whitney. And, and, and as we and we continue to move along the spectrum, we realized that uh, socialization or social interactions was a really big handicap for her. So we put her in all kinds of things like tap dance, ballet, uh, piano lessons, gymnastics. And as she got older, we put her in uh, sports, which she hated. But she was very good at it. But she hated it because she hated to lose. So uh, those are some of the things that we did with Whitney. And we realized that, uh, like, she, and she hated to, she's a perfectionist. So she hated to make, if she made a 92, she'd come home and say, I, I'm sorry, I'll do better. I'm like, what is better than a 92? People would like to have a 92. And so when she did graduate from high school, we thought, ah, college. We're going to try the college thing to see how independent she can be. And she can stay on her own and do those kinds of things. And, you know, there were times that I had to come and kind of, you know, uh, give her pep talks and stuff. But other than that, she did fine. She played basketball on a scholarship there. Uh, she uh, graduated with her bachelor's in four years. And now she has a bachelor and three master's degrees, and I guarantee you all of them are A averages. So, you know, we've had a, we've had a journey, and we still are journeying. That is definitely an, an amazing journey. <laughs> so did you ever, I mean, eventually you had to talk to Whitney about the diagnosis, but yes. can you tell us about the time where you you explained to her what was going on, that you explained to her the label? Yes. When Winnie was, after we went to see the neuropsychologist, and I think she was in the third grade, because I think she became more aware of things when she was a third grader. And she came home and she was crying. And she said she was crying because there was something wrong with her brain. She was different, you know, all these kinds of things. And so I just told her, no, no, no. You know, I tried to make her understand you're wired differently. Your brain might be wired differently, but you're not different. And I said, and you have Asperger's. And then we got on the computer. We looked it up. We read a lot of things about it. I even got stories about it. We've yeah. seen a play about a, a, a student that had Asperger's syndrome. And, you know, and we could look at it and laugh because some of those yeah. things were just so typical but uh, yes, I sat down and I, I, I leveled with her. I said, there's nothing wrong with you. And there's nothing wrong with your brain. You are wired differently and you may see things differently. I said, everybody's different and everybody processes and does things at their own pace and their own rate. And I sometimes would call her this story called Leo the Late Bloomer. And I read of that story when she was younger. And we even talked about that. And even at, at this day and time, sometimes I'll say, remember, I told you, you were like Leo the late bluebird. So we just kind of laugh about it and, and uh, you know, we keep it going. Awesome, awesome. So, so Whitney, do you remember um, that conversation your mom had with you? Uh, yes, ma'am. It was just, you know, it was, I had a rough day at school. Um, and I was, I'm not sure what subject, was. I just, I would always be last whenever we had tests. Um, and I would just always have trouble just learning things as, as fast as everyone else. Um, and then it just, one day I just came home and I was crying and I said, mom, you know, something, something's wrong with me. I just, I can't pick things up as fast as everyone else. And I always have. I just always have a tough time with, you know, working on homework and everything. And I just, you know, something's wrong. And she just explained to me that there's, there's nothing wrong with you. And I said, and, you know, and I always told her the rule in the house is that always that you have to try. You know, uh, somebody's C is like somebody's A. You know, because some, and when she would do something and not do so well, I'd look at her and say, did you do your best, Whitney? Yes, I did my best. Or do you think you could have done better? No, I was trying really hard. I said, okay, then don't worry about it. Right. So you, you wanted her to be comfortable with yes. making, making mistakes. You don't have to be perfect. No, and we talk about it all the time. Whitney, you're a perfectionist. 
No one is perfect. You have to learn how to laugh at yourself. And I always second guess, or actually I second and triple guess certain things just to, because I just want to make sure, you know, that everything was, you know. She's strong. a people pleaser. I am. Everything is just copacetic, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but she's a people pleaser. And uh, so I had to try to make her understand, you got to learn to laugh at yourself. I say I laugh at myself all the time. Trust me. And I said, so you just got to learn to laugh at yourself and just keep on, keep it moving again. Mm, mm, okay. So eventually, I mean, you did talk about her, Whitney, getting a master. So I know the master's is graduate school is, is a tough cookie. Yeah. Uh, so, so what was that like for you going through the master's program? <laughs> well, the thing that, okay, the thing I start noticing is that when I first take the class, I panic. And it's really bad. It's like, I guess it's because I see everything at once on the syllabus and I see how difficult it is. And so like the one thing that I wind up doing is I'll call mom like, I can't do this. I need to drop this class. And so, you know, because um, just starting out, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm overwhelmed. But then, you know, as I, I, I we yeah, call yeah, it I talking her off the ledge. Yeah, and what I would say now, Winnie, we got to keep this in perspective. Remember, this is a whole syllabus. How how many days or how many months is this going to cover for this amount of time? Okay, let's look at the whole thing. Let's look at one assignment at a time, one thing at a time, and that's how we do it. You know, that's how she began. I think doing those lists, one thing at a time. Don't look at the whole the project in its entirety. Look at one thing at a time. Even if we have to take it, cut it, paste it, blow it up bigger, so that's all you're focusing on, then that's all we need to worry about. Yeah, and the to-do lists are very helpful, and it just helps you to just, it helped me to prioritize what, you know, what which assignments need to be done first. And then, uh, because there was a lot of writing um, in the, oh, in the yes, reading. <laughs> a lot of reading and writing in, in those, uh, in the graduate courses, um, I was able to kind of channel my passion for creative writing uh, into, you know, more of the academic writing. So I was able to, because I visualize a lot, um, I was able to just kind of visualize the papers by uh, just blocking certain facts or certain, uh, uh, certain parts of the paper, you know, certain different uh, information to different sections. So I was able to, after I got into the swing of what, you know, the what the subject, yeah, what the routine and the subject matter of the course, then I was able to just kind of, uh, you know, use my organizational skills in writing to just block certain facts to, uh, in certain sections. And it made um, writing academic papers uh, easy. And it also, uh, because I was uh, into writing, I actually managed to help some of my uh, some of my uh, teammates too. Um, I would edit some of their papers, you know, just to for Starbucks coffee. Yeah, uh, I was paid in Starbucks coffee. Uh, she had actually she had one professor who wanted to know if her paper was plagiarized, but she couldn't figure it out and couldn't find it anywhere. And Winnie and Winnie was very offended by that. Because the lady was over the department of the English department and gave Whitney a 40 out of 40 on the paper. Yeah. And, uh, yes, yeah, Whitney was very offended by that. Because, you know, again, she's just a good writer. And every year she gets better and better. And I've encouraged her from when she was younger to write. I said, I'll be your publishing company. And as she got older, she continued to write. And I'd say, okay, Whitney, you have done so much writing and your writing is getting more uh, stronger and stronger and better and better. We really need to publish this. You really need to publish. I had said that to her for several years and I said, and again, you know, some people will like it. Some people will not. That's just the way of the world. But we just have to keep that in perspective. So finally, when Elo became a published author uh, back in April when all this pandemic was going on. Awesome. Awesome. So let's 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 jump right into it. Let's let's talk about your book. So oh. tell us tell us about your book. Okay. Well, first before I tell you about it, here's what it looks like. Yeah. It's raising limbo. Show the back. Yes. And then here's there's also like a 
oh, this is weird, a symbol here. That's for the series. Um, so the book is basically about the spirit of a young girl who travels through limbo and just faces all of these uh, dangers, such as uh, demons, spirits, and, you know, different types of landscapes uh, to save the soul of her younger sister. And this is a, this is a sci-fi fantasy novel. And it's uh, the first in the series. Yeah, it's called Infinity Saga. What yes. is it? Infinity Saga series? Mm-hmm. It's Infinity Saga series. Which is, and you can get the book. Where? Yes. And you can get the book on at Walmart, on Amazon, at, at Target, Barnes and Nobles. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. So in the beginning, Whitney, you talked about how much you hated writing. You couldn't even touched the pencil it was it was just horrible uh so now you went from that to being a published author can you talk about that a little bit it's it's really it's surreal and then just it's kind of funny how that started just the fact that i didn't not only just not wanting to touch the pencil i had this weird idea that um Whenever you know how, whenever the worksheet has these lines and then they'll run out of space, so I had this phobia that the letters will fall, so that's one thing. So I went from that to I would always have a pencil and a notebook with me, you know, it would be to the point where my parents would actually have to tell me, you know, leave that at home, leave that in the car. I would be going to the mall, and then mom would turn around and she's like, What is that? And I'm like, well, this is my notebook and pencil. She's like, you don't need that. Put that back. And or like, we would be go, we would go to a basketball game and watch that, and then you know, I'll be just writing. And she's like, why did you bring that in here? And she's other, actually playing basketball. Yeah, one time, yeah, one time when she's sitting on the bench while she's not in the game, yeah. she wanted her spiral so she get right. Yeah. So uh, no. Yeah, uh, I was writing during a, a mm-hmm. summer league game, and Dad just walked up and he just took it, just took it away from me. Uh, so <laughs> I just, but you know, I, I didn't know that this was going to happen, that this dream would actually come true. It just, it was just something that kept driving me to just keep writing, um, and it, it's weird. It's like a, it's like a pull. And it's just something that I just get excited about every morning. I would get up at five, mm-hmm. at five a.m. every morning to, to write, um, and then by I guess by some good fortune, there was a lady that my mom knows that is she has her own publishing company, and then she decided she's like, well, I've heard that your daughter could write. Um, let me take a look and see, you know, because I was nervous. I'm like, well, what if she looks at it and she doesn't like it? And then, you know, uh, I was just preparing myself because I how how tough it is for for many writers, even the ones that, you know, today, like J.K. Rowling, how many times she was rejected. So I was I mean, I knew that was coming. I was like, well, just going to go ahead and get ready for it. But after the editor read it, uh he actually wanted to see me face to face, which is odd. Um, the publisher usually, you know, will talk with the editor, and um, you know, the we never get to see the editor. But I guess after reading the book, he wanted to see who wrote this who book. Who actually is writing stuff like this? Yes, yeah. and it was just surreal. You know what he what he said. He just said it was something that he had never read before, and he said it was just it was a beautiful story, and I just couldn't believe what I was hearing, and I was just overjoyed. <laughs> I'm just overjoyed about the whole thing about our dream coming true. Amazing! That is absolutely amazing. So, Sissy, you implemented a lot of um intervention strategies in terms of working on helping Whitney work on her social skills Mm -hmm. so you you took it upon yourself to do that and I think not many parents would do that um 
So you're you're a unique person. So can you talk about like what made you be so involved and take it upon yourself to implement all these strategies? Well, actually, it's a really a no brainer. I mean, she's she's mine. I'm, uh, and if no one's gonna do your trial a child or treat your child like you're gonna treat your child. So me being the ex the educator that I am, wanting my child to uh, be as independent as possible. One of the things that I know is very, very important is early intervention is key. Uh, one of the issues that I, I noticed that a lot of parents, they, they are in denial. They, they, and they have no expectations for their children when their children do not act like the norm. And that was not me. Uh, I, I knew that if we could get um, some things in place for Whitney, and again, it was research because at that particular time, um, they did not want to put a, the labeling of autism or autistic on uh, a, a child So in, in a school district. And because even then, even the school district uh, being equipped to handle uh, an autistic child, because just like everybody else, they are all along the spectrum. One that something that works for one doesn't work for the other. So what you have to do is find what that child is very good in and what their interest is in, and then start keying things. Like when she was younger and the language was not there, the practical language. Well, she loved music and she did very well with that. So we put stuff to music. Uh, when uh, I knew that she was not good with social skills as far as having practical conversations with people, we would practice at home. Whitney, when you go to school this week, I want you to find three different people and you're just going to strike up a conversation and you initiate the conversation. And it would go like, okay, uh, say, how was your weekend? You know, uh, do you, you know, what did you do this weekend? Or did you go to the movie and you tell them what you did this weekend or you ask them about any pets or if they did any traveling? You know, I give her little topics. We had little lines and we just practice role play, role play, role play. And then when she come back, I would say, OK, who did you who did you talk to? How many people did you talk to today? Because Whitney would be very, very good at being on the like people are in a circle talking on like the right edge of the circle. And you would think that she's part of the group or she's participating, but she's not. She's just there on the edge of the circle, not really interacting with people. So I tried to force the issue about having her engage people and practice telling jokes. Man, I'm going to tell you, they told this joke about why the chicken crossed the road so many different times. I thought, and my sister to this day said, you low, you low kids, y'all almost drove, drove me insane telling that joke about why the yeah. chicken crossed the road, you know. So again, so it was just all the little things that people take for granted. You know, it was just people do naturally. You never could take anything or assume anything. And like I said, Winnie, Winnie's my child. And so for me, if I'm in education and I'm going to help other people's children, I'm for sure going to help my child. And again, she didn't ask to be here. And yes, it was a lot of work, but that, again, she didn't ask to be here. I welcome that work because I want her to be as independent as possible as she goes along the spectrum and as she grows up. Awesome. And how is she now? Do you think she's, you know, is she independent? Did she, did she meet up to your, to your standards? How's Wait, she doing uh, now? <laughs> She's doing fantastic. We still work on the social stuff, and that's always yes. going to be a part of her that we'll have to work on because you can't predict every situation, which, you know, you can't. That's the reason we put her in sports because it was unpredictable. It drove her insane, and you have to make split decisions. But, I mean, come on, think about it. How many people can say that they have a child that uh, has uh, gotten a bachelor's a high school degree, a bachelor's degree and three master's degrees, and all of them are A's, A averages. She finished her bachelor's in four years. Most people don't finish that until maybe five or more. And I say, and not only that, but has published her own book and has more that she's working on and actually editing. I mean, I, I say, I say she's a genius and she's phenomenal. 
you can't make Whitney believe that, you know, because I was like, you know, I tell her how pretty she is. and She don't believe that. She just dresses like a little old tomboy still, you know, with her little anime stuff. Uh, but, uh, you know, and then when someone notices her and says something to her, she acts like she's shocked and surprised. But, I mean, it's just like with her book. I said, Whitney, even your vocabulary. I mean, one time she was playing basketball and she runs over to the sideline after the game is going on. She says, uh, Mother, I'm parched. Could you give me a Gatorade? I looked at her and I said, Girl, who does that? You say, I'm thirsty. Mom, give me a Gatorade. I want something to drink. But who runs over and says, Mom, I'm parched. Would you get me something to drink? Uh-huh. And so, and it happens like that all the time that she'll say something or use a phrase on somebody, and you're going, Really, Whitney? Really? Okay, like, okay, I bet you didn't know this. Right before a rainstorm comes and you can smell that little smell in the air. And I was just talking about it one day and I was just telling her how I really like that smell right before rain starts. She told me, do you know that that's petrichor? I said, yeah. what? She says, yeah, it's petrichor. You know, it's some kind of, I don't know if I said it correctly. No, or not. Else, no, but, and then she says, oh, it's a bacterial uh, uh, whatever reaction and that, that, that. I said, look, I, I don't know what, what you call it. I just know I like the smell. So, I mean, what you call a walk-in encyclopedia. I mean, when she was younger, she would draw a uh, family crest, uh, draw Shakespeare, draw all these little things. They were not stick figures. And hang them up around the walls in the house and want to take people on tour of our art gallery. Who does that when you're little? And so, so, and then the singing part, and, you know, and then she can play by ear. Uh, she's multi-talented, but she doesn't see herself as being multi-talented. She can sing. She can play the piano by ear. She's very athletic. I mean, what can you say? A lot of people would kill to be in her shoes. Mm-hmm. And Whitney, do you still see yourself as different? Well, of course, I do still, I, like, now I have, like, a clear picture of, that, of how different I am, but um, it's, the best way to describe um, Asperger's is just that, I mean, it's even tough to say that it's a disability. There are, um, there are certain advantages and disadvantages of having uh, Asperger's syndrome or just being on the, uh, the spectrum. So, uh, and that's, I mean, everybody has uh, some, some weakness, some, some kind of weakness, some kind of strength. Um, and I would say that I would, um, I have a neurological difference. That's probably the best way to describe it. And it's social no, it's, yeah, it's social differences. It's no different from someone having different hair uh, color, different hair texture, uh, different eye color and things like that. It's just a different way of seeing the world and interacting with it. Of course, of course. All right, ladies, we're starting to wind down now. So do you guys have any final advice for the viewers who are listening right now? Uh, maybe maybe um, there's a child out there who has Asperger's syndrome or there's parents who have children with Asperger's syndrome or autism in general. So do you guys have any advice for the people watching right now? Of course. I'm a, I mean, I'm, I'm the always half full person. So the sky is the limit. And, and my thing is, don't let anybody tell you you can't. Uh, don't let anybody put a box around you. It's out there for you and anybody to grab uh, as long as you're willing to work for it. I would like to say to the to uh, anyone with uh, Asperger's or anyone under the spectrum is that there's nothing wrong with you. Um, you're you're just different, and then you're just wired differently, and that you have gifts, and you know just follow where the gifts are going to go. Follow uh, your um, strengths and see where it will take you. And just with weaknesses, just work on them every day um and for parents just don't panic you know there's um don't be in denial yes don't be in denial and don't panic early intervention is key and that you know your child just look to the gifts that your child will have and for everyone else just 
meet us at the middle of the bridge. I'm, you know, the best way to is just, you know, we have our our way of seeing things and every girl has its own way of seeing things. But I think if we meet at the middle of the bridge, you know, we will be able to find acceptance and, you know, just friendship. Amazing, just amazing. All right, you guys, thank you for joining us today. So Whitney, if you wouldn't mind putting up your book again, I'm gonna put this little banner at the bottom here and tell us where we can buy your book. Uh, again, oh, sorry about this. Again, you can buy this at Walmart, at Target, on Amazon and on Barnes and Nobles. Awesome, awesome, amazing. All right, so thank you for joining me today, Whitney and Sissy. Thank you. You're welcome. Awesome. So I'm going to put you guys backstage here. And it's just you and me guys right now. So Whitney is, she has a Facebook profile. I'm going to put her link here. So check out her Facebook page. Remember, her author name is WL. Carol. So you can visit her on Facebook, like her Facebook page so you can learn more about her books and her series. So make sure you follow, 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 follow and like her page, not just follow, but like her page as well. And of course, go get that book. It's called Raising Limbo. And just going to remind you one more time, you can get the book on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Walmart, or target. So definitely get out there and get that book. So I thank Whitney and her mom, Sissy, for coming on my show today. And I'm just going to put up my contact information here. And that concludes our episode for today. Please check out our YouTube channel for more videos and clips. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Eventbrite, and WhatsApp. So we have a lot of social media. So definitely check us out on those channels and follow us and like us as well. And if you would like to learn more about a Step Ahead Tutoring Services, you can visit us online at www.astepaheadtutoringservices.com. And one last thing before I go, we are also seeking financial contributions to our crowdfunding campaign on ifundwomen.com. The funds will be used to keep our staff employed, offer free and low cost services to put on productions like this to facilitate our web series and multiple other workshops and to reach out to as many families as possible nationwide. So our unique link is scrolling below. Please consider making a contribution. No amount is too small, and we definitely appreciate the support. So thank you for joining us today on Hot Topics. Thank you for watching this episode. I look forward to seeing you at the next episode. Signing off. Bye.